The thing that's most astounding about the life of Moses when you begin to look at it is this. It's not that Moses is great, because he's not, but he serves a great God. And this man succeeds in bending his will under God's will in an incredible way so that uh, the power of God becomes evident in his life and he becomes a great, and, and he is a great in history. You know, apart from spiritually, he is a great, the, the Jews regard him as a great man, uh, but the world regards this man as a great man, but it was all down to the fact that he was able to serve the living God and he was able to bend his will to submit his will to that. Now we're going to look at a longer portion of scripture tonight, so what we'll do is uh, we'll, we'll just go through it now. I'll, I'll comment on it as we go through it. Right, so what we're going to look at is basically Moses' objections. Why God can't use him. Right, you ever feel that God can't use me? Some of you are sitting here tonight and you're feeling comfortable. You're thinking, well, God couldn't use me. And you know what? Listen, that's not true. Moses was a prepared vessel for the work God had to do, do had him to do. But you know what? That didn't count. God, he didn't need the preparation. What he needed was he needed God. And when God was able to show Moses uh, what he could do through him, now it didn't happen immediately, but eventually Moses is actually going to get on, uh, on the same page as God, and he's going to be greatly used of God. Do you know that God can use anybody? Literally anybody. The most important thing we need for God to use us is we need to be willing. We just need to be willing to let him use us. So you may be here tonight, and you may have kind of, you know, penciled yourself and said, well, I know we looked at the call of Moses last week, but God couldn't call me. But you know what? If you think that, you don't know God. God could call you to do something. God could take and figure your life into his great plan and do something great through you if you were willing. Didn't say if you were talented. Didn't say if you were, had great ability. Didn't say if you had it all together. If you were willing. Let's look at Moses and his objections, and let's see how God overcomes them. And you know what? God can overcome your objections too. All right, Exodus chapter 3, verse 10. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. All right, so God's given Moses a job. I want to send you unto Pharaoh. You're going to bring my people out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Well, you know what? In some senses, that's actually a good question. Who am I? And who are you? Let's ask the Lord to bless tonight. Father, would you bless us? Would you open our hearts to your word? Would you open my mouth, Lord, to speak the words you want spoken? And Lord, that the ones that don't need to be spoken would be left unsaid. Blessed Spirit of the living God, would you take control of this service now and work your work in hearts and lives? Or may there be one here tonight, Lord, that sees objections overruled in their life, Lord, and sees themselves changed, Lord, because you have the power to change them. In Jesus' name, amen. So Moses says, who am I? You know, I would much sooner come, sooner somebody come to God with the idea of who am I than come swaggering in and say, listen, I can handle this. It really is better for somebody to come with that idea that who am I? And, and Moses is rightly asking the question. Now remember, 40 years previously... Moses thought, I'm the guy. Because when he, when he murdered the Egyptian, Moses really thought they were going to understand he was going to be the one that would set them free. He was the man that was going to take them out of Egypt. He was going to lead them forth. And he had to go to the desert to learn this lesson. Who am I? I'm nobody. I'm nothing. And, you know, we can never be anything for God unless we understand that we're nothing. 
We can never be anything but God. Martin Luther said this. He said, God creates from nothing, and until a man is nothing, God can do nothing with him. And that's very true. We've got to get to the place where we're no longer depending upon our ability for God to be able to use us and do it. It's interesting as you look at uh, the the, the biographies of the great men of God. You, You just, you know from reading about them, these were humble men. These were men that did not think there was anything special about them. They did not think they were great people because they, they weren't. They knew they weren't. And Duncan Campbell uh, would go. People would invite him to come and speak because he was Duncan Campbell of the Great Revival. And he would say, I do not carry revival in my pocket. Right? Meaning it wasn't about me. He would say, listen, when I got there, there was revival happening. And that's True of all the people that God has greatly used. They knew they were nothing. They knew they had no power. They knew they had no ability. They knew it was not of them because as we saw this morning, without me you can do nothing is the truth. Now, it always is the truth. There's no way for you to do it apart from God. And it's good for you to come with the idea of, who am I? I'm nobody. So when you come to the place where you think, well, look, I'm a nobody. And you think, well, that's an excuse. God couldn't use me. You're wrong. That actually puts you in the right place. If you think you're somebody and you can handle it and you can do it, God's going to have to take you away for 40 years and knock that out of you uh, so that you come to the place where you're a nobody. So if you're a nobody tonight and you can't do it, that means nothing. Notice what God says uh, to Moses. And he said, certainly, I will be with thee. That's it. Done deal. Problem over. Moses, I'll be with you. It doesn't matter that you're a nobody. God, by the way, God doesn't try and convince him and build up his self-esteem. Did you notice that? God didn't tell him how wonderful he really was. God didn't tell him, you know, listen, Moses, you can do it. He, doesn't tell, he says, Moses, I'll be with you. You don't need to be anybody. Because I'm all. Moses, I will be with you. Uh, and shall be a token. Of, this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of the Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. Right? And he says, listen, hey, here's the token. When, when you brought them out, you're going to serve them upon this mountain. I'm just going to show you that. But Moses, it doesn't matter that you are nothing and nobody. And it doesn't matter tonight that you are nothing and nobody either. God can use you. Now, really, though, you know, we need to lift our eyes above what we can see. And we need to understand that God can do it. God can use you. God can use you. For something. You know, stop deflecting it. Stop kind of looking at somebody else and recognize God can use me. In fact, do you know that God made you so he could use you? That God made you with a purpose in mind? That God created you with a plan in mind? God created you with a work that only you can do? And understand this too, that you are perfect for the work God wants to use you to do. You're perfect for it. You've got exactly what you need. He is, will be with you, and listen, it works. You are able. So let's understand, you don't have to be somebody. In fact, really it's a help if you recognize you're a nobody before you get started here. Because God can take and use you. God uses nobodies, and that's all he ever uses, nobodies. You've got to understand you're a nobody, right? <clears throat> okay, so God settled that first question for Moses. And Moses said unto God in verse 13, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? Next question is, Who are you? 
I'm going to go and tell them, then you better tell me, uh, who are you? Now, it's interesting. God took one verse to sort out the problem of, uh, who am I, when Moses asked it. And he's going to take the rest of the chapter to sort out the problem of who he is. Because the big issue, the main issue, the important part is not who Moses is. The important part is who God is. And God's going to lay that out for Moses and show Moses so that Moses can understand and the people of Israel can understand who it is that's calling the shots. Now, look what God says. And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto uh, the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Um, And he's going to go on there, but let's just get this thought, I am that I am. Jesus is going to use it again uh, in, in the Gospel of John. I am that I am. What does that mean? You know, it's, it's, it's such an awkward construction. You know, in, in English, it's, a, it's an awkward construction anywhere. I am that I am is, you know, if you, put that, if you type that in in your computer and your, your word program, your word's going to tell you to revise it because it's a fragment. It's not finished. It needs something more. I am what? I am who? And God doesn't fill that one in. First of all, it tells us this. God's talking in the present tense. He's saying, I am. Your God always is. God was not and will not. He is. You know, Jesus is going to take this passage and he's going to demonstrate to the, uh, to the uh, Jews that you know, the fact that, God is, that, Jesus, that, 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 that God told uh, Moses, he, he was, uh, that I am the God of your fathers, Abraham, uh, and so on. The fact that he told them that means that, listen, they were still living. You see, what he's saying is here, I am, but I always am. You see, God's eternal. He doesn't fit in your timeline. He doesn't fit in any of your boxes, but he certainly doesn't fit in the box as far as time is concerned. God says, I am. He is eternal. That means infinitely into the past and infinitely into the future, so infinitely that time has no bearing on him. He just is. That's a different kind of a being. That's, that's somebody who's completely different. That's somebody who's, who's, who, who's just above and beyond all of it. But you know, the, when you say I am, you want to have an object to it, don't you? You want to say I am, you know, I am big, I am small, I am rich, I am poor. What are you? Just I am. There is no object. Because you couldn't list all the objects if you were to try and start putting objects to God's name. There's no way. Listen, there's, there's no limit to them. There's no limit to his power. No matter what you would say, you'd be leaving something out because God is all. He is able for any of it. And you see, Moses is nobody. But God says, I am. I am the person who can handle what's about to happen. I am the person who has enough power to deal with this situation. Moses, don't worry about the fact that you can't. The next question you asked is actually a good one. I am. And God goes on to give Moses some insight. And in all honesty, I don't think Moses fully understood. I don't think I fully understood. I don't think our tiny little minds can fully understand the infinite. God's just given us a little thread on it that we follow through and we begin to understand something of it. I am. 
And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And God said moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. He's, he's giving them a new facet of who he is, a new name here. He's telling them who he is. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say unto them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, appeared unto me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen that which is done to you in Egypt, and I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt into the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites unto a land flowing with milk and honey. And they shall hearken uh, to thy voice, and thou shalt come, thou and the elders of Israel, unto the king of Egypt, and ye shall say unto him, The Lord God of the Hebrews hath met with us, and now let us go. We beseech thee three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. And I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, no, not uh, by a mighty hand. And I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt and all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof, and after that he will let you go. What's God saying? God is saying, you know, <clears throat> these people, they are, they are the slaves of the greatest power in existence. There is no power greater than the power of Pharaoh. Pharaoh has worked out that he's actually God himself. Because he's got so much power. There's nothing Pharaoh can't do if he wants to do it. There's nobody that can stand against Pharaoh. If Pharaoh says he wants all the Hebrew children killed, then all the Hebrew children are supposed to be killed. Pharaoh thinks he can do absolutely anything. He's, he's, he's God in his own mind. and He's God to his people. And he rules his world like a God. And you know what the great I Am is saying here? The great I am is saying, listen, he's going to stand against me and I'm going to destroy him. I'm going to take him apart piece by piece. No great battle, no great contest, just piece by piece. I'm going to dethrone his gods, I'm going to destroy his nation, I'm going to take it all apart. Because I am. I am. God is telling Moses, Moses, you don't really understand what's going to happen here. But you're speaking to the Almighty, the Omnipotent, the infinitely powerful God. And everything that you need is found in me. You know, God says that to us today too. Everything that we need is found in the great I Am. We don't need to be great. We're not. We don't need to have the power or the ability. We're not and we won't and we can't. But you know what we have? omnipotence on our side. We have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We have the one who dethroned Pharaoh. And he is there. He is able. When he tells you he wants you, puny little nobody you, to do something, he backs it up with his name and he says, and by the way, I can make it happen. By the way, Moses, doesn't look like he's going to let you go. Don't worry about that. He'll be glad to let you go when I'm done with him. Don't worry about the fact that his power is so much greater than yours. Don't worry about the fact that he doesn't want to. Don't worry about the fact that it's going to cost him. When I'm done with him, he'll be glad to let you go. And he goes on, he says in the next verse, that what's going to happen is the Egyptian women are going to give the, Israel, the Israeli women, they're going to give them jewelry. They're going to give them money. They're going to help them on their way. I mean, isn't that just a neat detail that God includes? 
God says, listen, not only am I going to set you free, but by the time I set you free, I'm going to make them happy to give you so that you go away wealthy. So that you go away with payment for your years of labor. You see, there's nothing beyond our God. You know, with God, all things are possible. You know, when it comes to Christmas time, we look at the, the, the birth of a Savior, a virgin. That's, of course, that's possible. With God, all things are possible. When you look at the Jonah being swallowed by a great fish, of course, that's possible. Anything's possible. When you look at creation as comparison to, uh, to evolution, well, of course it's creation because anything is possible to the great I am. He can do anything he wants to do. And when it comes to your life, personally, what's going on in your life in the year 2011, it's all possible. He's able. He can do it. We need to get all thinking that he can't. It couldn't be me. And understand if he calls, that means it's going to happen. If he puts his hand on me, that means it's going to happen because there's nothing that can stop him. There's nothing that can hinder him. There's no power uh, on heaven and earth, in heaven or on earth, that can stop the great I am when he decides to do something. He can do it. He's going to do it for Israel and he can do it for you. You just need to trust him and let him do it. Moses is going to learn to trust him. Moses is going to know they're going to stand at the Red Sea with, with Pharaoh chasing up after them. And Moses is just, they're all going to go, oh, we're all going to die, we're all going to die, what they always do, right? And Moses is going to say, stand still and see the salvation of God. Just watch what God's going to do. He's going to learn to trust. Right now he doesn't, but he's going to see enough of the great power of the I Am to know that he can do it. And do you know what? If you will follow him and let him show you, he will show you his power. His power doesn't belong in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is written for an example unto us to show us the power of God and how he works and what he can do. And if you'll let him, he'll do it again. He'll do it again in your life if you'll follow him, if you'll say yes and do what he wants you to do. Just be willing. He'll do miracles. He'll do incredible miracles. Listen, if you've walked with God for any amount of time, you've seen miracles. Sometimes we dumb them down. Because we think, oh, well, you know, things like that just happen. No, things happen because God makes them to happen. Things happen because God actually does them. He makes them happen. He's the grand piano here, right? And I realize we've got work to do and all, doing it and all the rest. You know, I was just thinking about it during this past week. I remember uh, when Karen Caffrey was playing piano for us. And most of you don't even know Karen Caffrey. Karen Caffrey's years ago. It's got to be more than ten 15 years ago, ten, at least more than 10 years ago since Karen Caffrey was I remember longing for a grand piano way back then. Now, it was never something that we as a church could really devote the money to, to buying. Uh, I wanted to desperately, but it really wasn't something we could do. You know, there it is there. It didn't cost us a penny. Listen, God can do it. God can do absolutely anything. There's nothing that God can't do. You, know, you look at situations in your life and you, and you think that this is impossible. No, it's not impossible. You've you got to get off the realm of possible and start looking at things from God's perspective. And when he says, I am, he can do it. Can you imagine being a little slave in Egypt and, you know, here's Moses coming in and saying, it's okay, guys, God sent me to deliver you. We're on our way. Pack your bags. We're moving. And going to say, yeah, really. 
You know, there's, that, that's not possible. Did you see the guards? Did you see the, the way we're imprisoned here? But you know what? God did it. And not only did God do it, but he made Pharaoh and all his people more than willing to make it happen. There's no problem in your life that God can't fix. None. Absolutely none. He is the infinite. He tells Moses, go tell them that I am. And that's all Moses really needs. Go tell them that I am. What does God tell you? Jesus said, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth. He's talking directly in in, in connection to the Great Commission, and he's saying, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth. Hebrews 13, verse 5, I shall never leave you nor forsake you. God makes you promises. Listen, he is with you, and because he is with you, you've got what you need to do all that he asks you to do. Moses had what he needed. It was going to work out because the great I am was in the situation. All right, chapter 4. And Moses answered and said, Moses is still not done with his excuses yet, right? Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. They won't believe me. They're going to say, No, we don't believe he spoke to you. And the Lord said unto him, What is it that in thine hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses fled from before it became a cobra. Now, cobra is a dangerous animal to have around you. You know, one bite and Moses was dead. But as soon as Moses cast this rod on the ground, it became a, a cobra. And the Lord said unto Moses, put forth thine hand and take it by the tail. Would you? <laughs> I'd have a hard time doing that one. <laughs> you know, obviously Moses is growing in faith. We don't know how he did it. You know, we don't have the action replay uh, to see what he did. But obviously Moses did. He grabbed this snake by the tail Uh, that you're not supposed to do because God told him to do it. Uh, And he put forth his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. This was a sign unto him. He was going to throw down the rod onto the people of Israel. He was going to throw down the rod. The rod would become a snake, and then he would pick it up again, and it would become a rod again. That's a powerful sign, isn't it? I'd like to see somebody do that, wouldn't you? Uh, That was a powerful sign, but God's not done there. Uh, that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee. And the Lord said furthermore unto him, Put now thine hand into thy bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. And he said, Put again thy hand into into thy bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom again, and he plucked it out of his bosom. And behold, it was turned again as his other flesh. And it shall come to pass that they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. And it shall come to pass that they will not believe also these two signs, neither hearken unto the voice, that thou shalt take of the water of the river and pour it upon the dry land, and the water which thou takest out of the river shall become blood upon the dry land. So God gives Moses three signs, three ways to demonstrate the power of God and to show that the great I Am is speaking to him. But Moses is still not done. He's got another problem. And Moses said unto the Lord, O Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of slow tongue. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm beginning to get a bit frustrated with Moses here because, you know, first of all, God said, I'll be with you. Second of all, God said, I am. 
uh, hath sent you. Uh, thirdly, God's shown him powerful <clears throat> um, miracles that he can do. And, and he's still saying, I can't because I can't talk very well. I, th- I think if I was God, I'd, I'd, I'd be getting a bit frustrated by this point, and I think he is. I think God's getting a little frustrated with Moses uh, at this point. And the Lord said unto him, Who made man's mouth, or who maketh the dumb, or the deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? By the way, powerful truth in verse 11 there. Do you realize that God is taking responsibility for making man's mouth and for making some people able to speak and some people not, for some people able to hear and some people not? God's actually taking responsibility for all that. This world is in control of our Heavenly Father. All of it's under His control. He is taking responsibility for it. Uh, And He says, Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. Moses, I'm going to be with you. I'll teach you what you need to say. I will show you the words you need to speak as it comes up. Stop looking at yourself, Moses. You're nothing. We sorted that out back in, in, in excuse number one. I'll be with you. I'll take care of that. You just go and I'll show you what to say. And then verse 13, and he said, O my Lord, send I pray thee by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well, and also behold, he cometh forth to meet thee, and when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. Now the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, Do you know why God was upset with Moses here? God was upset with Moses because really, bottom line, Moses just didn't want to do it. It had been a great idea 40 years ago when he thought he was going to be a great man and he was going to make it happen. But 40 years in the desert had dulled his self-confidence, but they'd also made him apathetic. They'd brought him to the place where really he didn't care. Lord, why don't you get somebody else to go? Basically, he's saying, Lord, I couldn't be bothered. And you know, that's the root of all Moses' excuses. He couldn't be bothered. That's the, that's the reason why he doesn't want to do it, because he couldn't be bothered. You see, Moses has got kids. Moses has got a family now. You know, Moses got sheep. He's got a life. It's comfortable. It's easy. He can handle it. He used to dream about being a big shot, but all that's died down. He's an old man, and he's going to just coast through the rest of his life and just take it easy. And that's what he wants. He wants an easy life. He wants it just to be easy. Isn't that so often what we want? We just want an easy life. Oh, we're so glad God's in our lives, and we're so glad we're going to heaven. And we're so glad for fellowship, and we're so glad for comfort, and we're so glad for all of it, but we want it to be easy. We want it to be nice and relaxing and easy. We don't want God asking anything too difficult of us. These are hard times and difficult days, and I'm on the home stretch, and God, don't ask anything too hard of me. Don't ask anything that's going to you know, put me in a place where I might be in danger, where there might be fear. We just want it to be easy. We just want it to be nice and careful and comfortable and we don't want to be disturbed from our slumber. You know what? That offends God. That really does. See, you can be in church and you can be doing your thing and you can be happy and comfortable in your Christianity and God says, 
I would that you were hot or cold. Because you're lukewarm, I will spew thee out of my mouth. That's apathy. God hates apathy. God despises apathy. Listen, you can be in church and just relaxing and enjoying it and so on and, and not too concerned about them out there. Not too concerned about lost people. I'm doing the best I can. I'm, you know, I'm here in church and I'm, 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 I'm comfortable and I'm coming and I'm trying to be good and I'm trying to live right, but you're unconcerned. And it's about you. You're comfortable. And we get apathetic so easily and because we're apathetic, God gets upset with us. That's what makes God angry here. Moses' apathy. By the way, God's going to give him uh, his brother Aaron to be a help to him. Some help. Aaron's going to make a golden calf. Aaron's going to do all kinds of things. Aaron's going to stand against him. I'm telling you what, Aaron's not going to be much of a help to him. I don't know. I think that maybe Aaron was a judgment. Not a blessing. I think that maybe Aaron, you know... God could have fixed, done, done all that Aaron was going to do, but Moses kept moaning about it and complaining about it, and finally God said, all right, because of your apathy, I'm going to send you Aaron. He won't be a help to you, uh, but he'll keep you focused on me. And, you know, isn't our apathy offends against a holy God? When was the last time you took the gospel and showed somebody how they could be saved? When was the last time you... Opened the book and showed somebody. He said, well, pastor, you know, that's, that's, that's not my deal, you know. Uh, there's other people that can do that. No, you know you. Now forget about all the other people. You know, aren't we throwing up the excuses like Moses did? You know, who am I? Yeah, well, you don't need to be anybody. The fact that you're nobody is actually a help. When was the last time that you opened the Bible and spoke to somebody about the Lord Jesus Christ and, and their need to be saved and his power to save them? When was the last time? Listen, they are out there dying in their sin. They are dying in their sin with nobody to tell them and you're saying, well, somebody else can do it. Now listen, we're supposed to be telling them. You're supposed to be telling them. When was the last time you took and you did it? You say, well, I'm not able. Are you saved tonight? Do you know how you got saved? Tell them that. Tell them how you got saved. Listen, spend 10 minutes writing out your testimony. Ask somebody to look it over and include some verses. Memorize a couple of verses. And listen, tell them how you got saved and explain to them how they need to be saved too. And you say, well, look, Pastor, that, 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 I, I, I just don't think I could do that. You're called to do that. The Great Commission called all of us to do that. Listen, you are a called person. You may not be called to go across the world, but you are called to be a witness to your next-door neighbors. You are called to be a witness to your family. This is Christmas. You're going to be meeting family all through this month. And you know what? You're a messenger with a message from God. And you say, who am I? God says, don't worry, I'll be with you. You say, who will I say sent them? Tell them about God. Tell them about God. Tell them about this great God that can save them. <clears throat> you say, but listen... <clears throat> I'm not able. Uh, they won't believe me. Listen, just tell them what he's done for you. Show them the miracle of your life. You say, but, but, but my mouth is slow. I'm not a good speaker. Listen, that doesn't matter. He'll be with you. See, the real problem for us is the same problem as Moses had. We're apathetic. And that's a nice word to say this. We don't care. Isn't that it? 
When it comes down to it, we want to be comfortable. When it comes down to it, we want people to like us. When it comes down to it, we don't want to stir things up. We don't want to get people upset. And we don't care. Aren't you so glad somebody cared enough to tell you about Jesus? Aren't you? Aren't you so glad that somebody cared enough about your, in your life to come and to say, look, Jesus died for you and he can save you and to introduce you to the one that can save you? Aren't you? Listen, don't you think they deserve that? You know, don't, 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 don't we look at Moses and we think, think of Moses, Moses, that's terrible. You don't care about your own people. Their children are dying. They're in slavery. They're under the lashing. Moses, you don't care enough to leave your comfort of the desert and go and lead them? But aren't we exactly like that? Aren't we? You know, as soon as it gets to be winter time, calling on a Tuesday night drops off. Now listen, I want to think with all my heart that all of you have stopped calling, coming out on a Tuesday night and you're going out some of the time during the week when it's bright. But you're not, are you? Here's what happened. It got cold. It got cold to stand around doors. It got cold to talk to people. And so, you know what? The fire beckoned. The comfort of your home. The ease of home. And you stayed home. Isn't that what happened? And isn't that because we don't care? Can we dress it up and make it nice? You know, can, can, can we somehow put a different perspective on it and say, well, no, you know, it's not really that. No, there is no... It's really, let somebody else go. I don't want to go. Look, <clears throat> some of you have succeeded in avoiding getting involved in evangelism for all your Christian life. And you've got all kinds of reasons why it's not for you. You've got all kinds of excuses in your mind. God blows all Moses' excuses out of the way and he really comes to the, to the heart of it here and he gets upset with Moses. He says, Moses, it's because you don't care. It's because you just don't care. You know what? If we would confess the sin of apathy, of not caring, God could do something for us. But as long as we hold up our little excuses like barriers, Lord, I, I can't, I mean, I'm nobody. Lord, I don't know what to tell them. Lord, <clears throat> you know, they won't believe me. Lord, I can't speak. As long as we hold up our excuses, do you know what? we've got a reason for not doing it. But know this. God called each one of us to be an evangelist. God called each one of us to speak the truth. And unless we're speaking the truth, we have a problem. What we're doing is we're being apathetic and we're not caring. Now, listen, I think Tuesday night's a great time for you to go calling. But you know what? You can't go calling on Tuesday and I think you should go calling sometime. I think you should open your mouth sometime in the week. I think there should be some time of the week when you're actually speaking forth his name. I think better than that is every day if you would dedicate in your heart and say, Lord, I want to tell somebody about you. Lord, I want, I want somebody to know. I think that would be, you know, you getting beyond the apathy, wouldn't it? You see, there are people out there that you know that need to hear. And you're saying, well, not me. I'm nobody. You're saying, I don't know what to say to them. You're saying, <clears throat> um, they won't believe me. You're saying, I can't speak. And God's saying, you don't care. You don't care. Now listen. He saved us, didn't he? He put his spirit in us. 
And he's given us a great commission to take the gospel. And you know what? If we look at Moses, Moses didn't have to be anything. Moses didn't have to know anything except God. Moses didn't have to um, <clears throat> make them believe God would do that. And Moses didn't have to be a great person for speaking. Moses' problem was he just had to get willing. You know, if you get willing tonight, God would use you. You say, but I'd be terrified to open my mouth. You know what? Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always. I'll stand with you. You know, your terror might turn into joy when you recognize the power of God in your life. <clears throat> all your difficulties and all your problems, put them to one side and say, Lord, by faith, tonight, I'm committing myself to do what you want me to do. And let God take and use you. And you know what? I guarantee you, you do that tonight, somebody's going to get saved this week. And they won't get saved while you're apathetic. Somebody is going to get saved. You may not know it. You may not see it. Somebody is going to get saved if we get going and we just get over the apathy and come to the place where we put aside the excuses and let God have his way in each of our hearts. We'll go out of this place as evangelists telling people about Jesus and you know what? Things will happen. They always do. Because the gospel is the power of God into salvation. It always happens. Listen, if, if, if you could graph the history of any church, you would find times when souls were getting saved. And you say, well, that's just times of revival. No, it's not. It's time, times when the people of God are speaking forth the word of God. And I suppose that is revival. But when we're not speaking forth the word of God, it's not happening. But when we go forth in his power and let him use us, not focusing on ourselves, not looking at our own deficiencies or problems, but let him use us, you know what happens? Souls always get saved. When was the last time you spoke to somebody about the gospel? When was the last time you opened your mouth and you went through the gospel with somebody? If you haven't done it in the past week or the past month, you know what? That's a clear indication. It's because you don't care. Maybe you've never opened your mouth about the gospel. And you come to church tonight and you say, well, you know, I never have. I, I, I've just said that's not for me. Listen, it wasn't for Moses, but God overruled. And God overruled in your life too. And if you will let him, he will take and he will use you. And you'd be amazed at what God could do with you. You'd be amazed at how God could take and God could use your life if you just yield to him and let him. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. Father in heaven, we come to you tonight, Lord. We do thank you for your word. Thank you for overruling the objections of Moses. Thank you for dealing uh, with his heart and, Lord, for dealing with ours as well. And all blessed spirit of the living God, would you take in now in these moments of invitation, and Lord, would you just deal with hearts and life. Lord, cause your people to make decisions that are going to be real and that are going to translate into them being used of you. In Jesus' precious name. Let's all stand quietly to our feet. And as God is dealing with you, and you need to do business with him. And listen, let me say, a Christian that's not witnessing is a disobedient Christian. If you're not witnessing, you need to step out. You need to get obedient. First step would be coming forward and doing business with him. But if you've grown cold, listen, come and do business with him. 
you've got to, we have got to be witnesses. We have got to be out there. We've got to speak to people. As the piano plays and every head's bowed and every eye's closed, you just come and do business with God and make that right with God. Can you honestly stand there and say, God is not speaking to you? God is not dealing with you as far as this is concerned? I'm sure there are people in this room and God is speaking to you. God is dealing with you. But you know, God can't deal with the issues and turn you around unless you let him work in your heart and do the business. God, God wants to work a miracle in your life. But you have to let him. And the first step is admitting, is admitting your need. Anybody here tonight and God is dealing with you, listen, he wants you to be a witness and you know you're not and tonight you're yielding to him as far as that's concerned.